Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Now, the last few weeks we have been talking about the Gospel Ministry Centre, and uh, we finished that. Now we're going to move back towards uh, our series of Luke. We did a, quite a few weeks there early on. Now we're going to have that break for a few weeks on the GMC, and now we're going to move back to uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, which is Jesus, Salvation for All. So we're going to jump back there today, and to kick us off, let me get this happening here. Okay, if I asked you this question today, what would be your answer? What is the easiest thing to do as a Christian? What do you think is the easiest thing to do uh, as a Christian? You might answer acts of kindness, like bake a cake for somebody or buy groceries. I mean, that takes a bit of effort to go down the street and do that, but relatively easy thing to do. The easiest thing we can do as a Christian is pray, is pray. Simply as we have done a number of times already in this service, we just open up our heart and we begin to speak to God. Pray. Yet, having said it's the easiest thing to do, it's probably the hardest thing to do as well. It's easy on one hand, but it's incredibly hard on the other hand. Prayer is hard work. Uh, Jesus, in this parable today we're about to look at, is going to call us to a life of prayer, having an attitude of prayer in all things. So go with me to uh, Luke chapter 18, and we're going to read from verses 1 through to 8. Starting in verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you that we get to pray even now as Jesus is calling us to pray and not lose heart. Uh, We ask Holy Spirit as we think about prayer today, as we think about what it is to have this life of prayer, this attitude of prayer, please open our hearts up to see that and more than see that, embrace that and make it a part of our life, to make it our attitude in life that we ought always to pray and not give up. Help us now, we pray, Holy Spirit, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, just to let you know also today that uh, we are going to have Q&A after the sermon. So you might get some questions that pop up in your mind today. You can text those questions into the number that you can see on your screen now. Uh, I'll answer the questions at the end of the service. If we have questions, great. If we don't have questions, that's totally okay as well. So after the service, we will take some questions, after the sermon, we will take some questions there from today's uh, talk as well. 
Okay, so the Gospel of Luke is uh, what is written here. It's, it's the collected accounts of eyewitnesses and their stories of the life of Jesus Christ and what they see. Luke has uh, gathered all these up, collated all these, and he presents to us here the Gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke. Uh, and there's something that Luke wants us, wants us to see about Jesus here, and that is the importance of... Pre- if you read through the Gospel of Luke, you see a number of times there where Luke highlights where Jesus modelled and taught about prayer. Uh, You see, Jesus knew the importance of prayer in our lives. He knew the importance of prayer that it is God's means, God's way of growing us and deepening us in spiritual maturity is through prayer. Now a little bit of context here as we think about why Jesus is talking about prayer in this particular way, in this particular parable. Uh, As Chelsea read for us so beautifully before from chapter 17, particularly the end part of chapter 17 there, the last say half of it, Jesus answers here this question about when the kingdom of God will come. The Pharisees and a bunch of people ask him, well where is the kingdom of God? When will it come? And Jesus answers here, in particular that last part, about his second coming of Christ, the second coming that he will make, that there'll be a realisation at that time of unexpectedness of this coming and a sense of desperation for those in the world to cling on to the things of this world at that particular time in the second coming of Christ. But if you think about Jesus at this particular point in Luke 17 and 18, he's obviously there with them because he's speaking to them. He's in person. But at the present, Jesus isn't with us. He's here with us in a spiritual sense, but not physically and in person. But also at the end of chapter 7, he says he's coming back to the earth again one more time. The second and the final coming of Christ. So if we just think about that for a moment, where does that put us right now? Well, we're sort of living in the middle. Jesus has come once, we are here and Jesus is coming again. We're sort of living in this middle part. It's a now and not yet kingdom. Jesus' kingdom has come upon the earth, but it's not now fully unveiled before us. We don't see the full, as it were, consummation or the full unveiling of Jesus' kingdom here. The Bible actually says we're living in the last days. Now, when did the last days start? Well, the day that Jesus left the earth after the resurrection, that's when the last days started. We're in the last days prior to the second coming of Christ. Now, in this now and not yet time we live in, it holds all sorts of challenges for us. It's difficult to live out our gospel faith in these last days. It won't be easy. It will have a range of difficulties for us that we'll have to navigate our way through. And Jesus knows his disciples will need some sort of strength to, burst, to persevere through this time and remain faithful to them because he's just explained what's going to be happening here in this middle time prior to his second coming. So where will this strength come from that Jesus is talking about? Where will we get this help to be able to persevere through faithfully to either the end of our life here on this earth or the second coming of Christ, to persevere through this middle period, this now and not yet time where we are currently living? Well, part of that answer comes from the parable here of the persistent widow. That's why Jesus goes to this. This parable here is about a life of persistent prayer, not giving up on that. Here's our big idea as we think about that today, and it's this. Consistent prayer is a river of strength and blessing that grows God in our hearts. 
Persistent prayer is a river of strength and blessing that grows God in our hearts. That's what Jesus is going to show us here as we think about this parable here of holding on to him. First of all, let's think about prayer. As we said before, we understand it simply to be speaking to God. We speak out of our heart with the words that the Spirit has placed within us and the words and the feelings and the challenge and the desires we have, we just simply speak out of our heart. There's no magic formulas, as it were, to come before God with or approach God with, but simply with a humble and a genuine heart, we come before a holy God and simply speak to him. It's a faith-filled action that we carry out. We don't physically see God, we don't physically hear God as it were, yet we speak to him. And we've got to believe that as we speak to God, he hears, he knows, he sees. He sees where our words come from, he sees whether our hearts are genuine or not. As I'm speaking in this room with three other people with me now, God is here with me in this room. God is hearing everything that is taking place. He sees whether we're paying just lip service to him or whether there's genuineness from our prayers. Prayer isn't a foreign thing to us. Even if you're an unbeliever, you don't follow Christ. We're so glad you're tuning in today. eh? You will probably still choose to pray at some stage in your life or sometime, many times maybe in your life. You might say, well, when will I do that? Well, it's surprising how often unbelievers in a moment of crisis whether their son or their daughter is ill or their parents are dying or something's happening, they'll quietly go somewhere and say, God, if you're out there, please, will you heal my son or my daughter? Please, will you make my mother or father well? Even if you're an unbeliever, you'll probably still pray, thinking there's something out there. Or even this, you'll welcome another believer to pray for you. So prayer is not a foreign thing to us in many respects. There's something God's placed in our heart here that wants us to call out to him in this very, very simple fashion of prayer. Prayer, in a sense, isn't strange to us. It is simply speaking out to God. So let's think about that, where Jesus is going here in this parable. It's in the middle stage of life. It's in the now and not yet time of Jesus' kingdom. And Jesus is calling his disciples to pray persistently. In verse 1 he says, always to pray. In verse 7 he says, speaks, speaks about again, crying to him day and night. Now just to be clear here on what Jesus is saying, he's not actually saying this. He's not saying that we need to be praying 24-7 like that is our only call in life in this persistent prayer. Like we are just praying all day, every day, all night, every night. Now if that were the case, How on the earth would we carry on the mission of sharing the gospel if we were just committed to prayer only? We'd have no time to carry out the mission of the gospel because we're always praying. Jesus is not saying 24-7 prayer. But Jesus is telling us this. He's saying we are to have an attitude of prayer in life, a disposition to go to prayer in our lives always, not just now and again. Always, prayer is to become a central element of who we are in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Prayer is to become a natural response in everything we do. Not just every now and then, but a natural response. Whether it's thanking God every day for the food we eat and the air we breathe, because it all comes from him. Do you stop at each meal and say, thank you Lord for what I'm about to eat? Or do you just race into Macca's and just eat it? We thank the Lord for what he gives us. Or it's asking him for help in the things that we face today. 
the challenges that we must deal with. It should become a natural response of asking God to help us in our lives. Now, as a believer, this is a challenge, isn't it? To pray persistently. To, keep, to have this as an aspect of a natural outworking of our life. To just pray. Jesus knows that. That's why he says there in that first verse, uh, ought always to pray and don't lose heart. Don't lose heart in praying. Because sometimes we seem to pray for a while and then we give up. We think, what's the point? I don't hear anything. I don't feel anything. I don't seem to be getting any answers. I don't seem to see any change in my situation. I've been praying about this particular need now for maybe months, maybe even years. Nothing's happening. I'll just give up. It's really easy to do that, isn't it? But Jesus wants us to pray persistently. What do you think Jesus wants us to pray persistently? Is there something maybe that he's trying to teach us through persistent prayer? Something he's trying to do for us through a life and an attitude of continually praying about everything in life? I believe there is. And this week as I was preparing for this talk, I read this summary here of a Jonathan Edwards sermon preached over 300 years ago addressing this very same thing. It's amazing over the period of time things don't change. People back then were struggling to pray and people in Jesus' time were going to struggle to pray as well. This is not a new phenomenon with us. Here's what Jonathan Edwards said about the reasons why we should pray and do it persistently the first one is this we are called to persistent prayer so that we need so that we can learn to lose our own self-sufficiency we are called to persistent prayer so that we need so that we learn sorry to lose our own self-sufficiency as sinful broken people there's a tendency to think that we are self-made people that we can do everything in our own strength now the reason why this project was successful successful was because my skills and of my hard work that's why this project came off or if this deal comes together it's because of my brilliant insight in the deal and nobody else's it was all about me We can easily become people who are self-sufficient. We think it's all about me and everything's contained within me. What does God do? In his merciful grace, he allows something into our lives that just flips us out. It just totally turns everything upside down. All of a sudden I can go from cruising in my own strength, because it's all about me, this deal come together because of me, to I can't do this. It's beyond me. Everything I've tried in my strength just doesn't work. We go from perhaps one extreme to another. It could be a health crisis. It could be a relational crisis. It could be a whole range of things that takes the wind right out of our sails and we now feel weak and we feel vulnerable. Can you imagine what would happen if God allowed it so in such a way that if we just prayed once... Everything was fixed, back to normal again. If we just prayed once, it was all just fixed and all back to normal again. What do you think I would learn in that situation if it was that way I just prayed once? This is easy. You just wave the magic wand of one prayer over your need or your challenge and you get back to living the dream. One prayer is all it needs. Well, what would that do? that probably would ultimately serve to grow pride within us and a hard heart. This is easy. 
it's still all about me. I just do this one prayer and it's all done. It's all fixed up. We wouldn't know and we wouldn't, know, we wouldn't feel and know the depth of our true weaknesses. We'd be insensitive to others as they go through challenges. It's just this one prayer and it's all good again. Persistent prayer, though, in a situation that's out of our control, teaches us what Jesus says here in John 15. Read this in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Persistent prayer teaches me that I can do nothing apart from Jesus. Everything I have in life is because of his grace. Whether you're a believer or unbeliever, everything you have in life, if I have a skill or a gift or a talent, it's not about me. It's about the common grace that God gives to everybody and gifts them with skills and talents in various ways. If I have good health, that comes from Jesus. Apart from him, I can do nothing. You see, praying persistently for something that is beyond me when I'm powerless, God is teaching me and teaching my heart deeply that I'm not self-sufficient. It's not all about me. There's everything in this world is beyond my control in many respects. And I'm totally dependent on God. So in a life of persistent prayer, I'm learning I am dependent on God. And he teaches me through that. God also teaches this to us through persistent prayer over a long period of time. He teaches us, uh, he prepares our hearts to rejoice in his goodness in a long period of prayer and developing a life of prayer. In our sinfulness, we easily develop this entitlement mentality. I've worked hard now, so I deserve this reward. I'm entitled to this uh, this reward. So after a while, with this entitlement attitude of earning something and expecting it, we actually expect things to happen really quickly. That's just the nature of the world we live in as well. It's like an instant gratification. And we're not really prepared to wait for things. Think about it when you go through the drive-thru at Macca's. You pay the money, you put your order and you pay the money, or you do it on your app or whatever. Uh, You're entitled to that coffee. And you pull up to the window and they're flat out. And what do they do? Oh, please, sir, can you just go park over there? You feel a bit annoyed, don't you? You feel entitled. You feel like you should get this thing quickly. Why do I have to wait for my coffee? Well, just imagine again if we prayed once and we got what we asked for immediately. That would probably only further our entitlement attitude, that I'm entitled to this. One prayer just does that. But when we're praying in a long-term situation that's out of our control, God works in our heart through that a rejoicing in his grace and goodness. Because the longer we wait in prayer, we actually begin to see God's hand and sustaining work in our life. It's during that wait that we see that. He's sustaining us and keeping us. And that's preparing our heart to rejoice in him, seeing him do that. As we see God's hand of providence working in a situation over a long period of time, orchestrating events and things where the prayer hasn't come to fruition as such but we still see God working behind the scenes through a whole range of things we rejoice God is there he's keeping us this waiting gives us vision and enablement to see God's hand working in that situation 
And very often the way we're praying, God will work in a different way to how we're praying. We see God's hand working in a whole other direction and then through that long period of waiting we see what God is doing and we come back and we rejoice. That would never happen though if we were just praying once and it just all of a sudden happened. Through that long period of waiting and seeing God's hand work in different ways, God's preparing our heart to rejoice in his grace and goodness as he keeps us. Here's something else that persistent prayer does. It builds and grows resilience in our lives as well. It builds and grows resilience in our lives as well. Uh, Through long-term prayer, God is growing our faith and our strength in him. Imagine again if God chose to answer our prayers first time every time. Something happened, I prayed and it just went away. Just imagine we would never learn to grow in faithful resilience if that was the case. Our hearts wouldn't know what it is to hang on to him no matter what is happening around about us. It just wouldn't happen because we just pray it's gone away. We wouldn't know what resilience is. God uses persistent prayer, long-term prayer, an attitude of prayer to produce resilience and endurance in our lives. Have a look at this in Romans chapter 5 with me. It says this in verse 3. Not only that, But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Just a beautiful passage there of Paul talking to the Romans, this chain of God's work in our lives through the challenges of suffering. But also this comes through prayer as well. As we come before God in prayer in a sustained and persistent attitude, he's shaping our hearts to grow and mature in resilience in his strength. The Holy Spirit is deepening us through these long, prolonged, uh, prolonged seasons here to deepen us in endurance and to grow our character as we persist in prayer through these challenging times. Bit by bit, moment by moment, the Holy Spirit through prayer strengthens our inner resolve to keep on persevering no matter what's happening. Now I know I've shared this before but many years ago I had a really bad back injury. For two years it just seemed to get worse and worse and worse and I kept praying and I kept praying and I kept praying. And I know through all of that time God was doing an amazing work on the inside of me, stripping me bare and changing me and transforming me. And through that he was building within me character to hang on, resilience to hang on. That I would never have learned had I just prayed once and that back injury was cured just like that. Praise God that he does that for us. He builds resilience within us to be able to stand in this world to reflect his glory through persistent long-term prayer. Here's something else God does uh, through prayer as well. He unites our hearts together. Prayer is a means where God uses it to deepen our love and appreciation for each other. You've only got to go to uh, the book of Acts and, and see some of the accounts of their prayer meetings they have there. Go and read Acts chapter 4, 23 to 31, and you'll see exactly what I mean there. Uh, these people were united deeply in prayer, and you can see this love overflowing with them. Again, go and read Acts chapter 20, verses 17 and 38. Read in Acts 20 there, and you'll see in the last two verses, as Paul is gathered with the Ephesian elders on the beach, he's about to board this vessel and leave, uh, just see the love between them as they 
gather for that time of prayer, united together in him. It's just a beautiful, beautiful picture, the way God unites us together and strengthens us and deepens us in prayer. I've experienced this myself. When I gathered uh, to pray with people, it deepens my love for them. When I hear them praying and I hear their heart just pouring out what is happening in their life, whether it's praise for God's grace and goodness in their life or the hurts and the cares they're going through, the Holy Spirit within me stirs my affections to unite with my brothers and sisters in a deeper way, simply because I'm praying with them. I hear their hurts, I hear their pains, I begin to sympathise with them. I feel what they're going through. It actually helps me to, as it were, weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice as we gather together in prayer. I'd encourage you, go spend some time with some parents who are praying for their sons and daughters who are currently unsaved. Go and spend some time with them and spend time with them when they're pouring out their tears over their lost son and daughter. I was with a couple the other day who were just sharing with us their, uh, their sons who weren't walking with the Lord and they just burst into tears in front of us. Sad but beautiful. It just united my heart to theirs. I could feel their grief. I could feel their pain. That's what prayer does. As we unite together with them, God uses this means of uh, an attitude of prayer, persistent prayer, to unite our hearts together, to love each other and to um, form deeper bonds with each other as well. It's amazing what God does through prayer as he unites us together in that. Okay, Jesus wants us to have confidence in prayer, though, in this parable. He's not leaving us here uh, without confidence. He says there God answers speedily in this persistent prayer. If we go back to the parable there, we see this picture of a corrupt judge in this story finally giving justice to this widower. Uh, He's a guy who neither fears God nor fears man or has respect for man. He's just not a good guy by the looks of things there. But she keeps coming to him, this widower who's defenceless. She's got nothing. She's got no one to stand up for her. She keeps coming to him seeking justice against this person who's victimising her. The corrupt judge finally, uh, who's put her off, sorry, time after time after time, finally and relents, okay, come, lest you beat me down. He does that. So the picture here is this that Jesus is trying to give us as he, as he shows this parable here. Talking about the judge, he's only an evil, corrupt judge, but he finally grants her request. How much more is what Jesus is saying? How much more will the perfectly good and just God deliver those who come to him? It's like going from the lesser to the greater here is what Jesus is doing. How much more will the good and perfect God do that for us? Look in verse 7 and 8 there, he says this. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? God, who is perfectly good and just, is nothing like the corrupt judge in that parable. He delights to grant his justice speedily, quickly. Maybe I better clarify that word speedily, quickly, because sometimes we're thinking, I'm praying, but I'm not seeing a speedy answer coming my way. Well, the timing that you and I have in mind must be seen in a limited context. We can't see God's bigger picture that's going on. So our concept here of speedily, when we think of the word speedily that Jesus talks about, is also got to be seen in a limited context 
context. We can't see the big picture of what God is doing in our lives intertwined with a whole range of other people's lives where he's achieving his purposes. But we can confidently know this, that God is speedily, in his time, answering our prayers with a yes to our prayers and sometimes immediately, sometimes real quick. It can also be a yes, but with God's wiser way of completing that prayer. Sometimes God answers speedily in his time with a no, with his own wise purposes, understanding why it's a no for us and it's not good for us to have that prayer answered the way we'd like to have it at that time. And sometimes God answers with a wait for his perfect timing to come into place. It's speedily, but in God's context, not the way we think of speedily. All of those answers are revealed to us according to God's all-wise understanding and the purposes that he's sovereignly and providentially planned for our lives. God answers our prayers. He answers every prayer what is for his glory and what is for his good according to his purposes and his timing for our lives. Jesus also wants this confidence built in our prayer as well. And it's this, that God isn't measuring our prayers by hours, by how much sweat you do, or how much groaning you might carry out, or how many tears may fall from your eyes. As though when you've given enough tears or enough sweat or enough hours or enough groans in pain, you've now earned your answer. God doesn't have a measuring stick like that. Why? Because we are unworthy and we are undeserving to receive anything from God. We don't deserve a thing from God. We're not, uh, we're, uh, we are unworthy in every way to receive anything from God. But Jesus gives us total confidence because through his death, he's paid the price of our sin and made us right before God. He's taken away our unworthiness. He's taken away our undeserving nature so that now because of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us at the cross, he's reconciled us back to the Father so we can call God our Heavenly Father at this time. So confidently through Jesus Christ, we come to a loving Heavenly Father who delights in our prayers. That's confidence, who answers our prayers that are perfectly fitted for us for our lives. That's the confidence that Jesus gives to us. That's the confidence he's going to demonstrate for those disciples then and that we have seen for ourselves through the life, death and resurrection of Christ. Right, what is Jesus doing here? He's equipping his disciples to live out the gospel in the middle period, before his second coming, this now and not yet kingdom. And what's he say? Jesus says, pray continually, don't lose heart. This is what you need to do to remain faithful through this time. Jesus is saying the very same thing to us. We too are waiting in this middle period, waiting for Jesus to return, facing a whole range of trials as we wait for Jesus to come back. What is Jesus telling us to do? He's saying, pray pray. You ought always to pray and not lose heart. Develop a praying life, Jesus is saying. Individually and together, uh, we face this trial of COVID lockdown right now. Everybody is feeling this to some degree or another. I don't care who you are, you could be the most resilient person out there, we're all still feeling it. 
Even a week or so back when we got this sort of you know, next level of restrictions again here around Shepparton, there's a, there's a sense of tension. There's a sense of the atmosphere in a way that just feels like it's sort of crushing us to a little bit. We're sort of restricted. We feel that. It's difficult. It's challenging. It can easily begin to crush our spirits as well. We can feel like, I feel powerless. I feel weak in this situation. So what do we do? How do we persevere through that? I know when I got the news last week, I was all gearing up for a live service. And no, it's back to a live stream service. It feels like you know, the, the, your wings have been clipped. Jesus says to pray. Jesus says, in all things, pray. So what do we do? We pray continually. We have an attitude of prayer. Lord, help me to be strong in the Holy Spirit during COVID. Lord, help me to grow in holiness during this period of time. Lord, help me not to get caught up in inward fears and inward anxieties. Help me to see you and help me to grow in the gospel. Help me not to waste this COVID time. Lord, help me to reach out and connect with others. Help me to get out of myself, as it were, and to begin to encourage others during COVID as it tries to crush us. Lord, help me to call others and pray with them, even over the telephone. Help me to do that, Lord. We would always to pray and not lose heart. We want to keep on mission during COVID. We don't want to lose opportunities that possibly here now where we can speak and we can show the gospel. So we pray again in this difficult time, Lord, help me. Help me to show the world where I'm living in now that I've got a different hope than what they're living for. Help me through this to make whatever opportunities can come my way to still be on mission. Praying that God, that you would grant me the ability and the courage and the love to share Jesus with others, even if it is over telephone or FaceTime or whatever other ways you can connect. Help me to do that. Help me to remain in mission, Lord, here for the gospel. Corporately, as a church, we have a focus to grow the gospel in our own hearts and as a body of believers. We've just had the GMC series, so Lord, we pray that during this, help us to be generous when everything would tell us not to be generous and to hold back somewhat. Lord, help us to be generous. Help me to pray about that. Lord, help us to find a permanent home where we can do gospel ministry in. Lord, help me to always pray and not lose heart. Here's what God will do as we commit ourselves to him in prayer. He'll do this. He will grow larger in our hearts as we see our total dependence upon him. God will prepare our hearts to rejoice in him as we see his hand working in our lives. God will grow gospel resilience and character in us to be stronger in him through persistent prayer as we submit ourselves to him. God will grow a deeper love between us as we unite together in prayer that will form a strong gospel community amongst us. God will do that. He said he will. So we don't lose heart in the middle of this struggle that we're in, in this waiting period for Jesus to return, and we go through these challenges, we don't lose heart. We take hold of this river of grace. We take hold of the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of us. We take hold of that and we pray persistently with confidence. Why? 
because God surely will provide for all of our needs. Where does this start? Where does this start? It starts with a decision. And the decision is to believe what Jesus is saying right here. And it starts with a prayer. Jesus, please help me to live this out. Please help me to believe this. And then we just begin to pray. We just begin to listen to the voice of the Spirit as it prompts us within to pray and to keep doing that. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you today for this ability that you've given to us to come so freely, so easily before you to pray. Jesus, thank you that uh, as you instruct the disciples, you're instructing us today, you're encouraging us, you're building us up in this middle period, in this now and not yet kingdom that we live in. You've been once and we're awaiting your second return, Lord. We face any amount of challenges. Here you are, Lord, encouraging us to say we ought always to pray and not lose heart. I ask, Holy Spirit, birth in us a refreshed spirit of prayer, a life of prayer, an attitude of prayer, a desire to pray. Let it become a natural part of our life, I ask, Lord. And through that, I pray, God, you would help us to see we are totally dependent upon you, that we can do nothing on our own. And we would see your hand of grace working in our lives through that. God, that through that you would help us to rejoice, preparing our hearts to rejoice as we see your hand working. And that would fill our hearts with your love and joy. God, through that you'll be growing resilience and character within us as we pray, as we commit ourselves to prayer. Father, we pray also that you would unite us together in love as we pray with each other. And deepening the gospel community that we are in and seeing your hand at work in our lives. God, we thank you for all these things and we pray, please, please, birth that within us afresh that we would pray always and not lose heart. Uh, Lord, we ask that, we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.